guys. Welcome back to another episode of What We Think. This week, we have a very special election reflection episode planned, and we have three amazing guests who are going to be joining us to share their thoughts on the 2020 presidential election that just happened this month. All right, so do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Kern Meta. I'm a freshman at American University in D.C., and I currently reside in the Seattle area on my hometown. Awesome. Hi, my name is Sarah. I am 17, so I was not able to vote this year, but I did work as an election official, and I live in eastern Pennsylvania. And so cool. my name's Bella. Um, I'm also 17, and we go to the same school, so we live in the same area, and I was also sadly not able to vote. That's fun. I think that was really cool. You said something about being an election official. Yeah, so I got in contact with my local board of elections and mm-hmm. they set me up at my local polling booth and I was able to help register people at the polls on election day. So it was a great way to get involved even though I couldn't vote this year. That's, that's so awesome. Cool. That okay, that's really, really nice. fun. Okay. So, something that we do in our podcast before we get started are life updates. So, um, Mandiri, why don't you go first? I think it'll be fun. We haven't recorded an episode in such a long time, mm-hmm, so there's lots so to long. talk about. Okay, um, so this past week, I've been watching like a ton of Dawson's Creek. Have you guys seen Dawson's Creek? I've heard about no. it. No. It's, it's on Netflix. It's basically like... Just imagine Gilmore Girls, but, like, five times more dramatic. It's about this, like, very <laughs> emotional 15-year-old boy. And it's, like, it's so bad, but it, I can't stop watching it. And it's been really fun. Yeah. You should watch it. Okay. That sounds... I might. I'm actually... I started watching The Crown, and it, I'm watching... It's, like, some parts are interesting, and other parts I just kind of want to, like, fast-forward through, but it's going well. And so my life update is that I'm actually... Hopefully, this next weekend, we're planning on flying to Toronto, where a lot of my family lives, and we're going to go there, hopefully, um, just for the winter. It'll be fun. We haven't been to Toronto in some time, and I'm excited about that, so it'll be fun. That sounds really cool. Well, I didn't know you could go to Canada right now. I thought the borders are still closed. Yes, so that's the thing. That's why um, it's, it's closer to, like, most people, but my mom is actually Canadian and so we have Canadian citizenship which is why we're able to go it's been a little bit tricky but hopefully we don't get stopped at the border yeah I think as long as you you guys like ensure that you're quarantining for two weeks you should yeah. be good in my we eyes we have but an yeah. Airbnb and everything booked well, that's I'm not looking that's forward to it but we'll see how it goes uh, in terms of life updates for me I just have finals going on this week and next week and then I'll be done with my first semester of college that's Which is so kind crazy. of underwhelming, given the online <laughs> circumstances. Congrats. But, yeah, no, it's hype. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of my life updates, I just finished watching The Queen's Gambit, which was really good. <gasps> and I'm currently just applying to colleges. I just applied to University of Pittsburgh. Ooh, oh, that's fun. Yeah, I kind of have a little bit of the same thing going on. <laughs> that's what it's like being a senior. I actually also just started watching The Crown, which is kind of funny, like, oh, literally that's yesterday. That's insane. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I've mostly just been applying to college, which is a lot, but, yeah. Yeah, good luck to you guys. I think you'll Thank do great. You. 
I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, we'll go into our first question. Okay, I can start us off. So our first question was, what were your thoughts on election day? I know for me, I was definitely very stressed out. I don't know if you guys were too. Why don't you share a little bit? Yeah, so I feel like on election day, I mean, I kind of carried the same energy as I thought a lot of people did. I just didn't want to look at the results. I didn't care for it on that day specifically because the days leading up to it were so underwhelming. They were also just really degrading of my soul and I'm sure everyone else's <laughs> given the two candidates we had and everything like that. Um, so I just wasn't really paying attention. I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to hear about it. I wanted to focus on my life and my sphere for just one day. And I think after election day, there was a lot of clarity and there was a lot of, you know, there's a little bit of optimism, but mm-hmm. it also created a lot more questions than answers, at least yeah, for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for me, well, like I said earlier, I worked as an election official, and I live in Pennsylvania, which was obviously a crucial state in the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember checking in more Republicans than I did Democrats, which obviously was interesting to me, because I did expect, like, a higher number of Republicans based on um, mail-in ballot, like, demographics, I suppose. But it was really interesting. And then Bella and I were at our friend's house together watching the election results come in that night. And it was very nerve-wracking. Yeah, definitely. And I, since last time there was an election, I was 13. So I didn't really know what was going on. I wasn't even in the country. Like, it was, I was completely, like, not, like, associated with it. And then this time, it was much more stressful because I actually understood what was going on. Um... So as I was getting the updates, I was like, oh, my God, this is not good. Like, I was definitely a lot more stressed about it than I was last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, election day and the day after. It was a very unhealthy cycle of me, like, checking my phone every 15 minutes. And then I'm just like, this is not, I'm not going to get any work done. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter if I look at the news or not. The election results are still going to be the same. So I forced myself to put it away. And, um, yeah, that's how my day went on election day. Yeah, I don't have that level of self-restraint. I remember the days after I had MSNBC pulled up on my laptop for like three days straight and I was oh just God. staring at it in class. Yeah, it was just oh not, it was not good. <laughs> yeah, I barely paid attention in school because I was just stressed out the entire day. I was like, how am I supposed to sit here and focus yeah. on English and we're sitting here awaiting <laughs> presidential election results? And the whole thing. I remember yeah. like... Your guys' estate, Pennsylvania, you guys took forever for all of the results to come in. And I just kind of gave up on you guys. And I'm just like, I was looking at Nevada. And I was just like, Nevada, please, I just need you to finish counting your ballots so we can go home and I can stop looking at my phone. Mm, Felt that. (laughs) No, I kind of avoided that line of thinking. And nothing against you guys. I get that it was a lot and that you guys want to keep yourself updated. But I'm quite cynical of a lot of things. And I just think that being glued to a device that's constantly tracking the election, it wasn't going to do me any good. It was just going to give me more gray hairs. So I just kind of, I kind of looked occasionally and I was like, damn it, I'm going to hope for the best, but expect the worst type of deal. And, you know, thankfully, I'd say Joe Biden was elected overall, in my opinion. But I think there is a lot that both his base doesn't realize is going to go wrong. And I think that there's a lot America doesn't realize the danger of electing who we did and how we can avoid that. Wow. That's a perfect transition to our next question, actually. That's what I was going (laughs) to say. 
<laughs> I wanted to ask, what were you guys like happy about with them being elected, like Biden and Kamala? And also, what were you like disappointed with? Yeah. Um, so, sorry, if I can just start off. I think that uh, I'm happy they were elected. Diversity, it was a big win. Kamala Harris, right? She was the, fir- the first female vice president and first fe- female uh, vice president of color to be elected. I thought that it was a good day for America. It sparked a little bit of optimism that Donald Trump was not reelected. Something I was really unhappy about was the division that I saw within this election. There was a lot of push that a lot of people in my area, a lot of people who are more liberal or democratic, they had to settle for Biden and Kamala, no matter what, that they had to do it. And I think that really, that really pissed me off. I think that because of that pushback, because of how someone's identity was completely uh, summed up by who they voted for or who they were thinking of voting for, who they were in the process of voting for, that to me was utterly disgusting. I think that kind of the division and the lack of discourse just continued to grow from 2016. And I think that's what makes me ultimately worried for the soul of this country. Where did you uh, see that, like, especially like in our age group, that division? I definitely saw it, but where, like, mm-hmm. where were the parts? Where did you see it? Yeah. So like on a college level, the university I go to is voted the most liberal university in all of America. Uh, and, and, you know, it's cool being able to be exposed to that. Don't get me wrong. A lot of my friends who go to this university are quite liberal. They are very, you know, they're very politically active. They're very politically smart. They're engaged. And what's nice is that even though it's the most liberal university on the planet, now I can't speak for every student, even though I have different views, I was able to maintain discourse to the point that it was necessary. But I think what I saw a lot of in this area, particularly Washington Washington State and social media, was that there was this whole idea that you had to settle for Biden, that you know you had to do it, that you you did not get to think that you didn't want to vote. You don't get to think about voting for Trump, that you don't get to think about all the negatives of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, that you didn't get to do that. And I think that was just the most, yeah, that was the most disgusting part of this election. Yeah, for sure. We saw a lot of divide, too, as well in our school. Um, I feel like a surprising amount of students were actually, like, involved in politics this year. There were a lot of people that were also um, striving to be an election official or getting involved with, like, distributing mail-in ballots or canvassing or something like that. So I think it did create um, a lot of division in our school. I know, like, personally... I have friends that kind of like lock themselves up in echo chambers. They didn't really want to hear what the other side had to say, or they would like make assumptions about a person's character simply based off their political views. So I would say that was the worst thing that did come out of the election. Well, obviously it was like building before, but I feel like tensions definitely rose after that and they still are high. Um, But I do think that the election of Biden hopefully will restore some kind of peace to the nation, especially um, with so many protests for racial justice occurring over the summer. And I know personally, I'm very involved in environmentalism. So I hope that uh, Biden takes a stronger stance in rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement and fighting against climate change. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like we live in a swing state in a swing county. So we definitely saw the divide all of the time. Like, you could not get through the day without seeing some sort of political argument. And I feel like definitely in this election, I would agree that 
that it has become even more polarized between the two sides. And for me, at least, it strengthened my belief that we should have a different system when it comes to voting and officials. Like, for me, like, I personally like the ranked choice voting system where you can actually feel like you can vote with who goes along with your beliefs. But that's just my opinion. There's many other, like, I'm sure there's more people more educated about it than me. But I just feel like it kind of solidified to me that we need a different system that's more representative of the American people. Because, like, a lot of what I've been seeing is people are like, all right, well, let me just choose the lesser of two evils, whatever that is for me. Mm -hmm. It's not that many people that are strongly like, I want this candidate, which is a little bit sad in a country that's supposed to be a democracy. Yeah. I think it was really interesting that on the days leading up to the election and even on election day, um, at least, like, in our, in, like, our circles, there was, like, a bunch of Instagram stories and Snapchat stories of being people. There were, like, two sides. There was one being, like, I respect you no matter, like, who you support or who you vote for in this election. And the other side being, like, I don't respect you if you don't vote for Biden because this is the type of person you're voting for if you – or this mm-hmm. is the type of person you're supporting if you support Trump. And it was very interesting to see this divide. And there was just, like, this big fight kind of mm-hmm. in these – it was disheartening. Yeah. So I can't I can't speak for Pennsylvania personally, uh, but I can speak for Sara, Mandira, and I. I mean, we, we are from the Seattle area. And look, I think per, I voted for Joe Biden. I have no quarrel in, against saying it. I think most of the people I know voted for Joe Biden. That is out of my friends and campus and back home. There's no debate about that. I think America and a lot of liberals have to realize that the reason why Trump was voted by so many Americans, both in 2016 and 2020, is because a lot of America isn't like the area we live in. It's not this urban, demographic, super diverse place that's reliant on technology and companies. A lot of America is farmland. A lot of America relies on agriculture, on energy, on oil. So when people around America vote for Trump on the grand scale, you have to understand that they're doing it for individual reasons, because some of these presidential policies are going to affect their homes. Some of Trump's policies do benefit a lot of Midwesterners' lives. A lot of Biden's policies hurt Midwesterners' lives in terms of farming, agriculture, as well as their home life. So before you jump the gun on, oh my God, this amount of America voted for Trump, you need to realize that behind that percentage, there is a reason, a legit reason why people did choose to vote for him. Am I going to dismiss the fact that Trump's a racist and ignorant and one of the worst presidents this country's ever seen? Absolutely not. I think he is. But when you look at the votes, when you want to make a conclusion, you need to be very careful about what you conclude about. Uh, Because a lot of people make assumptions in politics. That's how you lose. speak to this a little bit so i have family in oklahoma and i just have to say like the difference in how people are raised from living somewhere like that versus living like near a city on the coast is very very different and just like the values that you're raised with and feel like you have to side with a certain side even if it doesn't necessarily align with every single one of your goals in life and i also feel like sometimes like even if it doesn't benefit them people don't realize i saw this really interesting video that was people going to red areas in rural america and helping them get signed up with obamacare people who didn't have health care and they didn't realize that they could actually benefit from this and i find that 
so interesting. And you're definitely right when it comes to like the agriculture point. It's just, it is a very different America in rural America versus where a lot of us are based, a lot of more liberal people. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason for the divide. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I honestly never thought of it that way. I mean, I've already, I've like lived here all my life. Like I had no idea. Cuz I remember my stepdad after the election, he was like really he was honestly really disappointed cuz he was like how it did like half almost half the country vote for Donald Trump even after 4 years of everyone just like the Democrats had four years to change their mind and they couldn't. And I think this makes like a lot of sense. Yeah. Something I always keep in mind is the fact that America isn't 50 United States. I mean, we, we are a United States of America, but we're 50 different countries. Each state has its own identity, its own politics, its own culture. And that's something that people really need to need to acknowledge before they want to talk about the election. They need to acknowledge that. I mean, Washington and Nebraska are very different. California and Missouri are very different. Hell, even California and Washington. Um, and something I, I really want to pinpoint is the fact that, yeah, sure, the national election, it's important. But to me, it's all theater. It's all shows and appearances. I mean, where real work gets done, that's in the local and state level. That's local and state elections. That's local and state initiatives. So while I think all this, you know, all this media coverage about the national election is good. They need to. We need to focus on more deep-rooting issues. How are we going to solve it? State by state, county by county, that sort of stuff. I mean, we can talk about change all day long, but if politicians and people want to get it done, that's how they need to view it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah came up with like a really good question about that. Um, she was asking, <laughs> like, how, how much do you guys think that the outcome of this election mattered? Because Biden said that he was running to save the soul of America. Like you were saying, Karen, like, is, do you think it's that important of an election? Like, do you think if Biden had lost, we would have passed the point of no return and it would have been, like, difficult or, like, almost impossible for the United States to return to pre-2016 that level? Sure. So symbolically and emotionally, I can't speak for all Americans. Uh, on my perspective, yes, it would. I mean, it would definitely dishearten us. Dishearten us. It would definitely be disappointing. I definitely think Biden winning was a, a step in the right direction. But what makes America good differs among people. Like the whole American spirit, the American dream, that's really going to change over generations and differences are going to establish. Do I think that the deeper systemic issues are going to suddenly stop now that Joe Biden's been elected? Hell no. Do I think that both the Democrats and Republican parties are going to somehow become morally good? No, I think both the parties are equally corrupt. I think most politicians are corrupt. I dislike most politicians in general. So if we're talking about symbolically, sure, the election mattered a crap ton. If we're talking about reality, the the election made 0% difference. The real work hasn't begun whatsoever. I feel like I would actually like to argue against that. I feel like symbolically, obviously, it did matter. 
But like I said earlier, in terms of things like climate change, there are so many pressing issues with our carbon dioxide levels rising and higher water temperatures and more natural disasters sweeping across. Well, you would probably know from Seattle, like the wildfires definitely affected you a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that under the Trump administration, they really failed to address those concerns. And I think that if he were reelected for a second term, I think that those concerns would still be left unattended. And I would like to hope that um, Biden will take those um, issues more seriously. And also with coronavirus, it's obviously affected all of us. And again, the Trump administration really failed to come up with a direct plan. They haven't created a new plan for stimulus. And I would like to think that Joe Biden will, again, hopefully make a difference there. And obviously, I don't think systemic issues will change overnight. And I know I feel like a lot of activism groups are kind of starting to slow down their mission because they're like, okay, Joe Biden's president, like we don't have to do as much work. But I think the real work does start now. We have to keep working harder to ensure that future generations of Americans have a better lifestyle. Yeah, if Trump were to have been reelected, so many things would become irreversible when it comes to climate change, definitely, and other things as well. Because especially when you're looking at climate change, like if if like all these regulations continue to be reversed, which as they have been under the Trump administration, if we didn't get someone else in there who's at least working towards solving the problem, we would have a much bigger issue on our hands. And definitely Biden is not going to solve all of the issues in America. That's for sure. There are a lot of things that we need to address, like in general, that one person can't solve. But at least now there's going to be a person who is at least working towards a solution and not pretending that the problem doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely a big step up from where we were before. And like, no, it's not like, oh, well, now, now, like none of these problems exist. But at least now we have someone who's going to be working towards a solution and isn't just sitting there pretending like we don't have an issue and just inciting hate. Um, yeah, so that it stops yeah, so w- I definitely respect that disagreement. I respect the fact that both of you have motivations, that both of you see reality for what it is, and I admire your hard work and your enthusiasm. What I mean by 0% is sure. For Trump, uh, he was a terrible conveyor for fighting against climate change. He was terrible for racial equality. He was terrible for all these things. But Let's not forget, and again, this is my perspective, I'm not going to speak on behalf of anyone else, a lot of politicians are crooks. Uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris are crooks, in essence, and yes, I will use that term freely. I think if we're going to really talk about climate change, is Joe Biden better for it? Absolutely. He's going to make the international perspective better. But climate change isn't just a United States issue. It's an international issue. What you're going to need to fight climate change isn't going to be determined by a president's tweets or not. They're stupid tweets, however stupid they may be. They're not going to be determined by that. They're going to be determined by international action. Will I hope Joe Biden step up and take that international action that is necessary? Absolutely. Do I know that Joe Biden is secretly funded by energy companies? Absolutely. Do I trust (laughs) Joe Biden to do the right thing? Absolutely not. And I don't trust Kamala Harris either. And I mean, that's the thing that people need to realize. We need to stop idealizing politicians so much. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're just fighting against each other. That's something I'll always believe. And I think when, it come, when you dive deep into any issue you want to talk about, you kind of realize, well, crap. 
it's not going to make much of a difference anyway. So what can we do? Karin, I think you're like, sorry, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go I'm ahead. I was going to say, I, I think that we honestly agree on this point. I think I was just more bringing up that, like, at least it's a step forward from where we were before, and at least we have a chance that somebody's mm-hmm. stepping up mm-hmm. on an international scale. But I, I think we mm-hmm. honestly agree on this point when it comes to actual action being taken. Yeah. You guys are, I think you guys, like, know what we have planned, because that was actually a good transition to the next point. We wanted to ask you guys about, like, um, more thoughts about, like, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, like, Sure, she's, like, the first female vice president, first black and Indian vice president. But, like, her past political choices, Joe Biden's past political choices, especially, like, with the criminal justice system, there's a lot of uh, um, gray area and uh, interesting, questionable decisions made there. I'll let the other two go first, of course. I think you're muted. No worries. Okay. Um, while they figure that out, um, <laughs> uh, I can just say when I was researching this, their like past actions, I was so confused because I honestly didn't know that much before researching. And mm-hmm. it just like surprised me how different the policies they're promoting now are from what they did in the past. I was like, how can someone change that much in like... Like, I just don't know what that's supposed to mean. Really? Does that mean? Yeah. Like, Karin, do you know, like, more about that? Like, in specific to these two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, also, like, I think they muted themselves on Instagram. That's why we can't hear them. I don't know. That might be the case. No, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> okay, we'll just sure. Keep talking. So, uh, yeah, Joe Biden. What is his? What are his most notable complaints? His most notable complaints are the fact that he voted for the 1994 crime bill. I could be wrong on that. That he supported segre or he was he did not speak out against segregation, um, that he was not a fan of the civil rights policies, that the fact that he was very pro drug incarceration. Same thing for Kamala Harris. Yeah. Her record as attorney general outlined the fact that she put over she made over two thousand incarcerations off marijuana use, the fact that she instated anti drug policy. The fact that both both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris claim that they're going to solve gun violence with their backgrounds, and yet their gun violence legislation that they've put forward and passed within their record is completely inefficient. So I think, yeah, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are the classic examples of Mm flip-floppers. They'll flip positions however they need to see fit. And that's all I think about them, pretty much. Does that, like, affect... Does that, like, affect how you, like, see them as politicians? Like, do you think that they're going to be true to their word? Uh, for most things, no. I think they're going to sound better. They're going to sound more polite than Trump. They're going to sound more heroic and American or whatever you want to call that. And, you know, Joe Biden keeps saying that, like, if we listen to our best scientists or if Kamala Harris is keeps talking about that, like, we need to end this and end that. I kind of say, yeah, well, good luck when so many Americans think um, Amer- when so many Americans think that wearing a mask is a political issue rather than a health issue. You know, like Joe Biden says this and that and Kamala will say this and that. And it sounds great. and It sounds lovely. And you get all optimistic and happy. But then you kind of realize four years later, when you look back on their presidency, not a lot got done. And that's what I feel like is going to happen here. 
I'd like to be proven wrong for once. I really would when it comes to the cynicism. But for now, I cannot. Wow. That's disappointing. It yeah. is. It is for sure. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, no, I'll let the other guys go. Ahead go I think talk. they might still be having a few audio issues. We can just move on to the next thing. I think you kind of talked about it a little bit. Like the polarization of like social movements and health mandates like the masks, climate mm-hmm. change. Sarah pulled up these graphs a few days ago, which were oh, so... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were so interesting to me because it showed that, like, I mean, I knew this before, but climate change, ne- like, did not used to be a partisan thing, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It and didn't. It, and that, that like, surprised me so much because right now, like, ha- I thought, like, half the country doesn't believe in it. But before, mm-hmm. like, everybody did. And that's so crazy to me. Oh, yeah. No. Um, that's why I used to, I used to have faith in the Democratic and Republican Party. If I look back in the past, right, they knew how to work together for the most part. They knew how to do things together. Uh, Climate change was not a partisan issue. I mean, hell, even Ronald Reagan acknowledged climate change was a real issue. So suddenly for that to be turned upside down, it's gravely disappointing. And it just, it it hurts, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think politicians and people have lost their way. If we can find it in ourselves to rebuild ourselves within the community, then I feel like politicians going forward could work together more. But because the bases are so at war with each other, so do the politicians. Is our mic good now? <gasps> Yay, you guys are back. Yes, it works perfect. We, we literally did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's weird. Uh, yeah, what, th- what were you guys going to say? Um, no, I th- what I was going to say... Uh, is that definitely I feel like we need to um, obviously be really critical of them because they've made so many mistakes in the past, especially regarding the criminal justice system. And obviously Kamala used to work as a prosecutor, and I think a lot of people um, who are looking to Biden and Harris to solve racial justice issues, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, they might, like Biden said he wouldn't defund the police, but they're like, okay, maybe like he might take more steps in that direction. Like, no, Kamala literally used to work <laughs> as a prosecutor. They're not going to defund the police. Um, so I think that we need to obviously be critical of them and their actions and hold them responsible. Even if uh, some of us lean Democrat, like still they aren't perfect. They mm-hmm. don't have mm-hmm. that sort of reliability well, barely any politicians do. Um, and I think it's really important to make sure, like, we're holding them accountable. Yeah. yeah. We can't, like, stop the work when it comes to, like, grassroots organization, organizations and activism just because now we've elected mm-hmm. the Democrats. Because I, I think, I mean, I've been seeing that a lot. Even with the organizations I've worked with, they're like, okay, well, our election work is done. Time to move mm-hmm. on. But I think it's so important that we keep pushing for these issues or you have to hold the people who are supposed to represent you accountable no matter what even if it was a per- even if they perfectly match our what our ideals are we should still try to continuously keep them accountable and continue our work yeah i i think what really matters here is you have to look at who they're going to nominate who are they nominating uh, most of the people i've seen that have been nominated so far are reputable people who've worked hard in their fields who are actually college educated who are not buffoons, as I would plainly describe them within the Trump administration. They aren't goons. They aren't clowns. They know what they're doing, uh, which is nice to know, of course. (laughs) 
but here's the thing, and this is this is definitely going to be up for debate, and I welcome the debate, especially for my area and the school I go to. I'm very mm-hmm. pro gun. I'm very, I'm against gun control. I'm against most gun legislation that meets the floor. I'm welcome to have an open discussion about it, and I do believe that if Biden and Kamala progress in their way of anti-gun legislation, they're going to fail, they're going to lose a lot of support, and it's going to be very valuable to the Democrats in 2024. That's what I believe. Wait, if they if they are pro-gun, then it will be... No, wait, are you saying if no, they... No, if they continue to pass, if they continue on their agenda gun against control? guns, uh-huh. yeah, if they continue their agenda of gun control, they're going to lose a lot of vital support. I, I truly do believe that. I think support that's going to matter in 2022 and 2024. Um, I can definitely see how you would think that. Not, I know so many people that are pro Second Amendment and stuff like that. I just feel like I kind of view it how I view masks. Like, mm-hmm. we're not trying to impede on your rights. We just mm-hmm. want safety and not necessarily let's take all the guns, but let's have legislation in place so there's more effective background checks so there's more regulation over it not like nobody should have guns but like maybe we should regulate it a little bit more because when you look at like other countries and every pretty much every developed nation who has put in significant gun control that's worked Mm -hmm. so i i mean i understand what you're saying and that there's a lot of people in america who dislike that and I think we need to move into it slowly. But I think sure. we can't just ignore it altogether because it's a huge safety issue and we can't just pretend that it doesn't exist just because people like their guns. Yeah. We need to move towards a solution. But for me, uh, comparing guns and masks aren't the same. My argument for being very pro-gun has nothing to do with the Constitution. In fact, I think the Constitution should be revised and looked at like most countries do with their constitutions. My reasoning for being against gun control and against uh really any gun legislation being put forward is the fact that people don't understand statistics. People don't realize that gun control is systemically racist in its origin. It was systemically implemented to prevent the Black Panthers from gaining access to firearms. It was systemically implemented to make sure that people of color did not have access to the same defense as white people did. That's the reasoning for it. That's why gun control exists. And I think that when people use these terms like, yeah, common sense gun control and, oh, more background checks, like that, that's completely fine and dandy. The current system in place is actually a good one. But gun deaths aren't a gun problem. It's a mental health problem. For example, as of 2018, 60% of all gun deaths were suicide. 37% of the whole pie was murders. So if we look at that 37% as a statistic murder, half of that 37% is from inner city gang violence. So that that's because of systemic socioeconomic issues. Then if you look at the other half of that, that murder proportion, it's accidental discharges and manslaughter. So if you really look at it, the amount of murders that occur in the United States by a gun are only 14%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. It's topic? hot water. It's a hot topic. <laughs> I'm I'm not it afraid is. to talk about it. No, I completely understand where you're coming from, and that's a systemic issue, and that it was used in the past to discriminate. 
But I just think we can't ignore the fact, and I completely agree that it's a mental health issue, especially like when you are looking at criminal justice issues, it is very, very largely a mental health issue. And I 100% agree with you on that point. We need to address it. I just think we can't ignore the fact that this wouldn't, like those like suicides, that they wouldn't have been able to happen had they not had access to a gun in the first place, had there been a background check sufficient enough to ensure that they would have known that they don't have a mental health issue. And like, I understand that's not going to solve all of them. And I understand that where it's rooted, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily fair, but I think we just can't ignore the fact that a lot of these things wouldn't have been able to happen if they didn't have access to a gun in the first place. Mm -hmm. So real quick, something that you said uh, was interesting to me. You said that these people wouldn't have been able to commit suicide if they didn't have a gun, correct? Well, obviously they would have, but I just through guns. Like, I understand what you're saying. They wouldn't right. have been able to commit suicide had they not had a gun. Like, yeah, I just think my... I just think my problem is with the Democratic Party is they need to stop admitting that they're against guns. They just want to implement this policy because it gives them more power. And I think that something that should just be kind of wrapped up in a message for any listener out there is the fact that it, before you hear a statistic, before you hear some headline on a news piece or that someone says, look at the statistics, break it down, interpret it for yourselves. That's basically the message I want to come away with there. Okay, guys. Good, good little side conversation. It was good. I think it was really interesting to see the different sides. And if you guys are interested, um, our audience, let us know. And we'll definitely, we should do like just another episode just on like gun control. I think that would be really interesting. But as we're nearing the end of this episode, I think a good uh, what what question should we end on, Indira? There's a bunch. I would love to end on the question where we each talk about what our main goals for this like upcoming. Oh yeah, yeah. And on a positive note, mm-hmm. what our main goals or like what are the main things we want to see accomplished by this admin this new administration? What are, what are like your top priorities? Um, I can start. Um, mine definitely are climate change. I wrote this down. It's climate change, COVID, and criminal justice. I feel like those all need a lot of work. Yeah, you're even, like, you You do green team at our school, so I know you're pretty involved with the climate change thing. Mm-hmm. What are some things that, um, like, do you know, like, for the Biden administration, you want to see them do specifically? I... I know, like, we just got out of, like, the Paris Climate Accord, right? Like, it, t- it takes, like, four years to actually get out of it. So I'm so happy that he says he's going to join us back into it because that would be amazing. And, yeah, I'm still a little confused about his policies exactly on climate change. They seem pretty good. I just don't understand the... Like, especially the thing that he said about, like, fracking. I just don't know oh, like, yeah. how that shows his, like, focus on climate change and what he actually believes but I really do think his expansion and like green jobs and his goals there will be like really good for us. Um, for me personally, again, climate change. I would love to see a more set plan on how um, America can reach net zero emissions, and then also might be a bit of a stretch, but I would love to see more education reform because. Um, for our newspaper, our motto is education is the first step to action. And mm-hmm. I strongly believe that a well-educated population, a population that 
keeps up with the news, that understands uh, um, society and our political climate are people that can create change and people that 100%. truly understand what changes need to be made in our country. Um, and I know, obviously, under the Trump administration, Betsy DeVos was quite the <laughs> questionable Secretary of Education. Yeah, so yeah. we will we'll see what happens with the Biden administration. Yeah, I really agree. Education's like a it's a key issue for me or a key topic for me too. And I think it would it's such a complicated, heavy issue, but I think we need to start focusing on especially public schools again, because it, it really doesn't make sense to me why people neglect fixing the education system when that's really just an yeah. investment to the future of the country. No, without a doubt. I think if I'm going to be real about Biden and Harris, if they can actually stick to their word, what I'd want them to prioritize is education. I think also going along that special needs education and education for those people of color, because if you look at it, socioeconomic breakdown happens because of systemic issues, but it also happens because you have a lack of education. When you have a lack of education within a community, that community will turn to drugs. So when it turns to drugs, it'll turn to war and violence. So I definitely, I think we all agree that education is priority number one. I'd say setting up a fair health care plan is priority number two. Criminal justice re reform, priority number three. And I think if this presidency can establish a plan for each of those within this term, then their vote can be expected from me in the next. I think if they can have a set plan, they can stick to it and they can work hard. That's what I'd hope to see. What about you, there, Bella? There are so many issues that I think are so important to address. It's so hard to just be like, oh, this is the one. I 100% agree with education. It's just, you know, there's all this prison pipeline. It continues the cycle of poverty. It is awful because it's based off of income tax. And obviously, if an area has low income tax, it's hard, harder for the schools to get more funds. And then yep. we continue to have this. And it's awful when we need to reform the system. And um, I hope, I mean, I we can't really expect system reform under the Biden administration, but we can maybe fix it a little bit. Um, climate change, obviously, I do a lot of work with a few different organizations with climate change. I am hoping really hoping it becomes a priority <laughs> and not just something that is ignored and put because it, it will become irreversible. It's not one of those things that you can put mm -hmm. off. I really hope that that is addressed. Um, criminal justice reform, um, racial justice, there are so many issues and I, I just hope that we will see progress and that we will at least move forward a little bit and not mm -hmm. fully maintain the status quo because that just absolutely will not work. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay. These are all really good ones. And I was thinking and I'm like agreeing with a lot of what you guys were saying. And I realized another priority for me is us um, getting out of the current recession and the COVID crisis because we're kind of like one of the worst countries in the world right now, especially being a first world country. It's kind That's of scary. Embarrassing. <laughs> like, yeah, I honestly, honestly. I, I would argue that we might even need humanitarian aid because that's how bad it is right now. But, um, yeah. Any last thoughts uh, you guys want to share? Any outtakes that you got from this conversation? Something you learned? Um, I think I it was nice to... Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go you ahead. can go. You can go. No, 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 no. no. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, as you say, the debate on gun violence was interesting because, again, I feel like 
um, a lot of us have kind of stuck ourselves in echo chambers, so it's good to, like, talk to people with different perspectives. Yeah. I would like to continue that conversation because I have a lot more to say about it, but I didn't <laughs> want to start, like, this whole yeah. thing and take up a bunch of time. So I'm just yes. like, let me just... No, of course. I mean, I would love to. I have a lot to. I have a lot more to say about it too. But I also feel like it's not the typical stuff you've heard. It's not the cliche arguments. I think you really mm-hmm. have to dive deep, have a full length discussion about it to really see what comes out of yeah, it. I mean, that's why we have debates. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, I'm sure this is such a good. This is on our list for um, our series that we do, Let's Talk, where we talk about controversial topics, and it's on our list. So I'm excited to see that you guys are interested. So we'll definitely have you guys back if you want to. Of um, any other outtakes on that, Madeira? What about something you learned? I love this, honestly. I feel like though we all were like really happy about Joe Biden winning the election, though we all like supported him, I think it's so cool to see how different our views like are. And, like, just, like, learn about everything. I just thought it was amazing. Yeah, I had a great time. I I was really happy with how this conversation went. Um, It was good. We had some different opinions, and we had a little bit of debate. And it was was just really friendly and civil, and that's exactly what we wanted out of these discussions. So I'm really glad that you guys could join us. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. let us know if you ever want to do something with us again. We would love to have any of you guys back on. And yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. If you guys have any other topics that you would like us to cover in the future, DM us at what we think podcast. And even though we're getting like less frequent with our um, posting of new episodes, Madeira and I will try our best to get back on a schedule. But junior year is kind of... Um, slapping us in the face so we'll see how it goes of course yeah thank you for having us i loved having this conversation it was definitely awesome to have it's really eye-opening for sure all right thank you guys so much for listening we hope you guys have a great rest of your day bye guys bye